0: Hello, my name's Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Tom will look at the start of a new chapter for some Airbus A380s and the end of the line for other A380s, while I see why IATA is so upset with some airports.
0: I'll talk about the latest Airbus A220 family member while Joe looks at what Ryanair's management said this week.
1: Finally, Tom will look at why a 30 grand piece of Boeing 747 is selling for more than €800. Euros.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I mean, I couldn't not talk about the A380 because... I can't do the podcast without talking about the A380. We know this, Tom. (laughs) Um, But no, there has been some um, fairly exciting A380 developments in the past week. Um, So the first one I wanted to talk about was with Lufthansa. So on uh, Friday... Lufth- the first reactivated Lufthansa Airbus A380 left Terrell Airport in Spain and flew back to Frankfurt at approximately 1815. Um, it's quite interesting because Lufthansa, you know, there's, they've been all over the show with their A380s. They said they wouldn't come back, then they said we'd like them to come back, and then they said they would come back. Um, so at 1605, sorry, this uh, A380 Delta Alpha India Mike Kilo took off from Terrell Airport, um, and it flew Back to Frankfurt, but there was an interesting bit of um, tidbit of aviation news knowledge. Whatever, um, Terrell Airport doesn't have the facilities to test the, um, the the wheels of the A380. They can't pull them up and drop them down again without the aircraft taking off, and um, you know you don't want to pull them up in flight if they're not going to go back down again because the last thing you want is to land an A380 on its belly. So as a precaution, because they couldn't double check that the, um, the 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 wheel retraction was working, they had to fly this aircraft all the way back to Frankfurt with the gear down, which obviously meant that it had to fly a little bit slower and a little bit lower than it would usually do. Uh, but it did make it back to Frankfurt and it's quite exciting because you know, it's it's. We don't know when it's going to start flying with passengers again, but it, it is going to fly with passengers again. Um, it's expected that Delta, Alpha, India, Mike, Mike will follow next. Interestingly, previously we'd been told that four to five A380s were expected to return and fly from Munich, but um, I was hounding um, Lufthansa for the latest this week, and they told me um, that at least three would return. So. You know, it could be four or five, but it could be as few as three A380s that are now returning. And it seems like a lot of effort just for such a small mini subfleet. But um, that's like the good A380 news this week. And now onto the bad A380 news concerning our friends over at China Southern. Um, So basically, I think we talked uh, three or four weeks ago about how they'd operated their final ever Airbus A380 passenger flight. Well, their third of five aircraft has now flown to the US to be scrapped. Um, It departed China at 12.10 on December 2nd, and it landed at Victorville 12 hours and 39 minutes later at 8.48 in the morning, also on December 2nd. Um, I always love this concept of crossing the Dateline and traveling back in time. Um, But basically, the plane likely stopped in Victorville to complete Immigrations and Customs because Mojave is not listed as a port of entry by the Customs and Border Patrol of the US. Right, Um, But it it did hop across there. It's a 22-minute flight and it only climbed to about 6,000 feet. So I reckon that would be really impressive if you lived in that sort of area. (laughs) Um, Because I used to to fly there uh, when I was doing my pilot's license. So I know it quite well, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's just Um, sad because, you know, China Southern, they were the only airline that didn't ground the A380 during COVID. And now that everyone's bringing them back, they're getting rid of theirs. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's my sort of A380 roundup of the week. (laughs) And um, tell me a little bit about IATA, because I understand that you are not, Dialing in from Cornwall today. Oh, I'm
1: not. No, I am in the much more glamorous location of Geneva, um, in the wonderful offices of IATA. I'm so jealous. I really want to work here one day. Um, they've got the biggest Nespresso machine you've ever seen in your life. But aside wow. of that, um, we've been listening to some very interesting presentations by IATA management this morning. Um, in particular, one of our favourite um, airline executives or ex airline executives, Willie Walsh, who of course was um, CEO of the IAD Group for. A really long time. Now he's Director General of IATA. Um, so he was asked this morning what his opinion was on IATA's airport partners increasing their costs. And in his own words, he said, they are not our partners. Let's be clear on that. We are in the airline industry. They are in the airport industry. The objectives they have are very different. So he's not happy with airports. Um, The issue is that although IATA is projecting that airlines will financially recover next year, the margins right now are incredibly tight. Um, The projection on profitability for next year released by IATA just today said that each airline on average is going to be making $1.11 per passenger per flight. And that's a margin of just 0.6%. So clearly, it's better than making a loss, but not much. It's still mm. really, really tight. And when you add into that mix, obviously, the rising cost of jet fuel, um, the various taxes that are supposed to be coming in next year. And then you've got the world's biggest, busiest airports also saying they're going to hike their prices. Uh, Mr. Walsh was getting quite hot under the collar about the whole issue. Um, So... He said, you know, when you're looking at the amount that some of the airports are looking to increase their charges, some of them are ridiculous. I mean, it's not all of them, but some of them are looking at some really big increases. Even in the best year of aviation, airlines would only make about $10 per passenger profit. So, you know, the the airports are really looking to hike things at a very bad time. Um, So, I had a quick look in to see which airports are going to be hiking their fees. I think we know very well that Heathrow, that's been rather well publicised that they're looking to hike passenger charges for airlines by 37%, or in fact, they did hike it by 37%. They've now been told to take it back down again. Um, so they are reducing it a little bit, but not much. Um, but also, in the last couple of months alone, Hollywood Fort Lauderdale Airport has announced it's going to be increasing its passenger charges. Um, Orlando International is increasing its charges. Closer to home, Anna, which operates airports to Portugal, they're going to be increasing airport charges charges by around 15%. Of course, that upset our friends at Ryanair, didn't it? (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, they also got upset about Frankfurt and they pulled out. But I think from what I'm hearing from you, it would be easier just to list off the airports that aren't increasing their fees.
1: Well, it would, absolutely. (laughs) You know, there's also Singapore Changi, Toronto Pearson, Amsterdam Schiphol. There's dozens more. You know, some of them are literally putting maybe a dollar or two per passenger on their fares. Others are putting around 40% extra on the fees. So it's a really tricky time to be doing this sort of thing. But there is one airport that I actually is more annoyed with than any other airport. Um, And I'll give you three guesses which one it is. (laughs)
0: Well, I, I can't guess because I already know. So uh, I'm going to guess Play the game, uh, Frankfurt Tom. Hahn.
1: It's not, no. It's, is um,
0: it um, Stockholm Skatsver? It's not, no. <laughs> no. Uh, what about Amsterdam Schiphol?
1: <laughs> it is. You're spot on there. Bing, so bing, bing. We all know the issues that Schiphol has had this summer. It's not been a good summer for the airport. Um, but, the, you know, there are some situations that the airport's not helping itself with. Let's put it that way. Um, in fact, um, Conrad Clifford, who is Willie Walsh's deputy, he, uh, in, in his turn of phrase, he said, the Netherlands is a country where the regulation is completely out of control. Um, so, you know, strong words right there. Uh, basically, what's happening is... Um, First of all, in the summer of this year, the Dutch government announced that they'd be limiting aircraft movements at Amsterdam Schiphol. At the time, you know, we were kind of, that that wasn't unprecedented. Heathrow had capped the number of departures um, to cope with the kind of labour shortage coupled with mm. the um, excessive demand that we saw this summer. But that was a temporary thing. And in fact, that decision has been reversed now. Schiphol is a whole different matter. This is a permanent and forever Cut to the number of aircraft movements designed to reduce noise and um, NOx emissions. So mm. they're going to be reducing from 500,000 to 440,000. That's going to play havoc with slots, schedules, everything. Um, And the issue that IATA has is that it came without any warning or consultation. There was no conversation with the industry. It just got done. Um, Apparently, now the Dutch government has reluctantly agreed to have a consultation with IATA. But since the decision has already been made, what's the point of this consultation? It's not going to achieve anything. So, IATA is saying they really must reverse the decision. You know, they must take the decision off the table, come back and talk to the industry about what they want to achieve and come up with a mutually beneficial solution but you know Holland's doing what Holland does doing it by itself that's not the only thing that um, the Netherlands has done that has annoyed IATA um, because from January the second, uh, sorry, January the first next year, they're implementing a new ticket tax, which will triple the current levy on departures from Dutch airports. So, passenger tax will be now $29 or thereabouts, depending on the exchange rate, um, which compares to the current departure tax of $8. And that's going to be applied to all the major Dutch airports Schiphol, Eindhoven, Groningen, Lelystad, Maastricht, Rotterdam, Enschede. There's, you know, it's across the board. And again, this is done without talking to the industry about how that's going to impact things. So, you know, IATA has a really good economics team here. The guys have estimated this will impact approximately 4.8 billion euros in gross domestic product for the Netherlands, about $5 billion. And it will cost around 62,000 jobs. So, you know, major things. And it's not that... It's not just that airlines will struggle to operate, it's that they won't operate there. We've already seen Corrondon has said that all its expansion is going to be focused now in Brussels, not in Amsterdam. And that's a direct result of this decision on the tax increase. Um, And the thing is, you know, they're branding it as an environmental tax, but that money is just going into the government coffers to be redistributed as government money does. If it was really an environmental tax, why isn't it being ploughed back into aviation to develop new technology or to fund SAF or whatever. Um, mm. So yeah, that was that's um, some of the issues. And then the third thing, if I can just, <laughs> sorry, I know I've been talking for a while. The very last thing that they were annoyed about, particularly with Schiphol, um, was, you know, over the summer, there were unilateral and very last-minute cuts to schedules to cope with the lack of staffing. Now, Mm. as you know, when airlines cut flights at the last minute, they have to pay passengers compensation under a little rule called EU 261. I Um, love that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course we do, but when it's not the airline's fault, when the airport has said, no, you can't operate those flights, it's still the airline that has to pay that money back. Mm. Um, You know, Walsh's deputy said that this is um, evidence of uh, failing in the system. And he said that, you know, there needs to be a way that when the delays are caused by airports or um, air navigation service providers, that they pay for it, or that at least the airline doesn't have to pay for it because it's an unfair burden. So mm. that's why Schiphol has annoyed IATA. Um, that's the end of my rants. <laughs> Today.
0: <laughs> Today. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: No worries. Um, well, I wanted to talk about um, staying with the European theme. Um, something you know it's not new. we could have talked about it last week, but there were other stuff I wanted to talk about, and this is, you know, I still want to talk about this. Um, so Croatia Airlines, basically, um, they've become the latest um, to order the Airbus A220. So last, uh, or maybe two weeks ago now, I'm not sure, um, within one to two weeks ago, <laughs> they signed a firm order for six A220s to join more than nine A220s that they already planned to lease. Um, So announcing its A220 order, Croatia Airlines said that the new jets would replace the previous generation aircraft it's currently flying. Given the higher fuel efficiency of the A220, the new aircraft will allow Croatia Airlines to decrease its greenhouse gas emissions while reducing operating costs through lower fuel bills. Um, So it's interesting because Airbus didn't actually reveal what variant the A220 Croatia Airlines had ordered, but they did release a rendering of a Dash 300 in the Croatia Airlines livery. So I would assume that's a bit of a clue.
1: Mm. (laughs) Um,
0: But, you know, commenting on the order, um, our favorite chief commercial officer, Christian Scherer, remarked, We're thrilled to add Croatia Airlines as a new A220 customer. The A220 is ideally suited to Croatia's aviation needs, providing operational flexibility and efficiency, allowing its airline to pursue its ambition for both regional and international connectivity without compromising on any aspect. So, you know, I thought we'd take a look at the Croatia Airlines fleet today because you know they're talking about it replacing previous um, generation aircraft. But what are they? So um, the it's now got 15 A220s in the pipeline. Um, so you know you would kind of wonder is it going to become an all A220 carrier? But according to our friends over at CH Aviation, the airline also has four A320neos. On back order, so um, we'll see what there is. But the, the fleet today consists of five A319s, four of which are active. They've got an average age of 21.2 years, so they're really starting to get on a bit. As well as the two A320s, um, which are both active, they've got an average age of 20.7 years. Um, the slightly younger subfleet is the De Havilland Q 8Q400. Um, they've got five of them that are active and six total in the fleet, and their average age is just 13 seven years but you know it's it's really we're really starting to see the a220 take off to its full altitude i think because um just today i was reading that um Uh, the air baltic demo plane that airbus seems to um, have stolen from the airline uh, to show off that was in angola to visit tag angola today so watch this space uh, for an order from them maybe Um, but you know it's it's cementing its position in the commercial aviation industry and according to airbus there are now more than 230 a220s in service they fly across four of the world's continents and 16 airlines have taken delivery of the aircraft So they're operating on more than 800 routes to 325 destinations. Right now, Delta is the largest A220 operator. It's got a fleet of 45 A220-100s and 12-300s, so a total of 57 aircraft. While Air Baltic has the largest fleet of dash -300s with 36 of the larger variant. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because you know I'm always tooting on about the A2 uh, A320, but what about the uh, A380? Even, but what about the A220? <laughs> I've got to get my backup for the for when the A380's gone. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm t- torn right now between the 220 and the 777X.
1: <laughs> well, I'm delighted to say I have been on my first A220 flight. I came out to Geneva with Swiss from Heathrow mm. on an A220 300 and it was awesome. Um, unfortunately, I was on the three-person yeah, side, not say, the two-person side. On the wrong
0: side of the plane. Yeah,
1: I didn't have a middle person though, so it was nice oh, and good. spacious anyway. And I think you do notice that the seats are a little bit wider. Like I mm. felt like there was more personal space, um, but it it was a great aircraft, very quiet. And the takeoff roll was so short. I was like, like we'd only just started accelerating and then all of a sudden it rotated. And I was like, what? Wait, wait, Why are we taking off already? You expect it to kind of thunder down the runway a bit further. But uh, no, great little aircraft. I'm looking forward to my return flight and will, of course, supply a, a complete review for Simple Flying in a little while. Um, anyway, back to the podcast. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Ryanair because it's always exciting to listen to Ryanair's executives. They're very colourful chaps. Um, and we had the rare treat of seeing not only Group CEO Michael O'Leary, but also the airline CEO Eddie Wilson and their operations director Neil McMahon all together on a stage for Eurocontrol. Um, I think they call it straight talk these days. They used to call it hard talk, but now its hmm. I think it's straight talk. Um, So I just wanted to kind of pull out the really interesting bits of that conversation so you guys don't have to go and watch the whole thing. Um, So they started off talking a bit about the routes they fly. And in particular, I was interested to find out why they don't fly to Heathrow. Um, In a nutshell, you know, it's too big, it's too expensive, it's too cumbersome, um, it's too inflexible. But in particular, um, Michael O'Leary said the fees give him a real headache. He said he couldn't believe that they're looking to increase the price again. It's the most expensive airport in Europe already, and it wants to increase its prices further. But he said, actually, Heathrow and its issues over the last summer has been a blessing in disguise for Ryanair uh, because they saw a migration of passengers that normally fly out of Heathrow suddenly coming to Stansted, which I know is an airport very close to your heart, Tom. Um, so people had a very bad experience at London Heathrow. You know, they lost their bags or their flight was cancelled or it took off many hours after it was supposed to. And then their next flight, they decided to just go Ryanair from Stansted. And they thought, my goodness, what a lovely experience this is.
0: You know, I, I did see the issues that other airports were having. And I flew in and out of Stansted quite a bit this summer while there was chaos at like Frankfurt, for example. And, you know, I never had an issue going in or out of Stansted.
1: No, we took our play flight um, to Reykjavik from, from Stansted and it was it was joyous. You know, there were no queues going in or coming back. It was it was very nice. My only issue is it's quite a long way the other side of London from Cornwall and I hadn't quite realised how far I was going to have to drive to get there at three in the morning. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, so, you know, for Neil McMahon, who's the operations director, um, somebody that I don't hear speak for Ryanair very often, but he said, you know... We've got no interest in ever going to Heathrow. There's colossally high prices. You cannot do a 25-minute turnaround. You can't get the aircraft utilisation. So that's one of the few airports in the world where we will never go and we will never base an aircraft there. So closing the door. Forget
0: the 25-minute turnaround. I think the taxi time would be 25 minutes.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny you said that because um, the interviewer said, are there any other airports that you really hate and you'll never fly to? And they joked, they said, oh, Paris Charles de Gaulle. And he said, and he said, Well, it can take an hour to taxi from the runway back to the, the terminal. And, uh, you know, it's not quite that long, but it could be. And uh, you kind of get their point when they've got such high utilization on their aircraft. They want to be yeah. down and parked and starting the turnaround as soon as possible, not pootering around in a, in a huge, massive apron trying to get to their stand. So
0: I think my record was about 40 minutes at LAX once. Uh, we did a whole <laughs> tour of the airport, and I'm not even kidding, we taxied over one bit twice. <laughs>
1: My goodness, <laughs> I've had some really long taxi times. I think my worst was at Schiphol once. I don't know why, but it was just uh, a lot of you driving about. You landed on
0: the Polderbaum.
1: I think so. Yeah, it just took. A, we, we were driving around for an age. Anyway, um, so where does Ryanair want to go? We know where it doesn't want to go. Well, I thought it was interesting. Frankfurt, you know,
0: please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> although they're very much a European airline, they do now fly to some places outside Europe. Those that spring hmm. to mind like Morocco, Israel, Jordan. Um, But Michael O'Leary noted that they are talking to other countries as well. Um, Particularly, he mentioned Egypt and Libya. Um, Mm. Egypt, I would love to see a Ryanair flight to Egypt. You know, it's a great holiday destination and really fits their business model. Libya, I'm not sure what the attraction is there. But I know they're trying really hard to restart their their kind of aviation industry. So I
0: know that. But at the same time, you know, Libya is one of the countries where you can't get an ESTA for the US if you visit it. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how that will impact crew. But if you're like starting off at Ryanair, then you're going to have trouble becoming perhaps I don't know if this is the case I haven't looked into all the legal um nooks and crannies but
1: yeah <laughs> I think there there is work ongoing to remove that as as an issue and I think once it does it will explode in terms of its you know being a destination and a connecting hub because it's geographically very well located anyway um but he also said some really nice things about Ukraine he's very very keen to get back into Ukraine once it's a, once he's able to do so um and he said you know flying is the first thing Ukrainians will do because all their roads and everything are all blown up and need fixing, but they can fly, you know, and they can fly and visit their families or go back to their homes or whatever. Um, So, aside from networks, what else did we talk about? Well, we talked a little bit about the current economic situation. Um, Michael O'Leary talked about the future of very low airfares, something that Ryanair is very well known for, but it's not good news. Um, He said, and I quote, low fares are not over, but I do believe some of our really crazy low promotion. 9.99 fares, you'll not see those again while oil remains up at around $100 a barrel. Um, I mean,
0: that's quite interesting because I booked flights for just um, not even seven days time. It's now Tuesday as we record this and I booked flights for Sunday. Um, I ended up booking a 25 euro flight. Um, But if I'd have gone to um, Dortmund instead of Nuremberg, I could have got it for 13 euros. Mm. So, He's saying that the flight fares aren't there, but I've just seen them. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think he's making the point, you know, that mm. with overheads as they are, it's not going to be possible to offer those very low fares that often. Um, mm. He said in the last year, actually, average fares across the Ryanair group was around €40. Euros. Um, so, obviously, you know, there are longer flights and more expensive flights than the ones you take, Tom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I say it was €25, Euros, but when I added my bag, it shot up to €40. Euros, yeah. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, he says next year he expects their average fare to creep up to 50 euros. Um, but he said it's not just the fuel. You know, the fuel is the immediate impact. But he reckons once that starts to go down, we're going to see environmental taxes on the rise. Um, he expressed frustration with the complicated system in Europe with taxation and the lack of joined up approach. So, hmm. you know. I mean, so-
0: every time we've been to a European aviation conference, that's been the top thing like airlines for Europe or you in IATA now
1: yeah yeah, they do talk about it a lot that Hmm. and the single European sky is uh, something you don't want to get any uh, kind of campaigning executives started on because they'll go for hours (laughs) Um, but to finish up he was Michael O'Leary was asked by the interviewer um about the news that Boeing's not planning to make any new airplanes for quite a while um mm. and what he thought about that whether he was disappointed there wouldn't be any new technology aircraft coming out anytime soon from Boeing and he said and I quote again to be honest it would be significant progress if Boeing could just build the bloody aircraft that they've contracted to build at the moment <laughs> Usual Michael O'Leary colourful language. Um, But he noted that as a group, Ryanair is already contracted to get 51 737 max before the end of April. But he said in reality, they're going to be lucky to have 40 more by the end of June. Um, And he gave us some colour on some of the markets that this is going to impact, um, particularly, you know, from Norway into Spain. He really wanted to do a big, big expansion in time for summer next year. He's not going to be able to do that. Um, Basically, it's impact their expansion plans quite significantly. But still, he really likes the aircraft. He said that it's a, a great plane. It's a revolutionary technology. However, he's not wedded to it because when he was asked what it would take to move over to Airbus A320s, um, he said simply lower prices. Um, yeah, well,
0: He always says that, though. I, you know. Know, like I think <laughs> I don't know how much there is there because obviously you've got the lower prices. But then when you factor in crew training and all of this and the spare parts, I think it's, it's, realistically a little bit more than that. But
1: they're already flying a mixed fleet. They've already mm. got some airbuses, so it's not completely beyond the realms that he could make the move. But, you know, I think he put it really nicely himself. He said, we're a one-trick pony. We'll buy the cheapest aircraft we can get because that's what we do. So, maybe it won't even be the Airbus. Maybe it'll be the Comac C919 or uh, they still the, have M- the MC21. <laughs> <laughs> they do, don't they? Mm. So, uh, so that was what Ryanair's group said this week. And uh, it was delightful to listen to. And there's some asking calls on simple flying, summarizing it, summarizing it even that you guys can mm. check out.
0: Well, yeah, I just wanted to wrap up by briefly talking about our friends over at Tag because every now and then they hold an auction of their rarest plane tags for a good cause. And, you know, the last auction was in February. Now they've got a little Christmas auction. So um, I found it really interesting because their, their products typically re- uh, retail for anywhere between 25 and uh, 50 euros, depending on the appeal and rarity. But right now, there's a piece of 747 that's going for 815 euros, and that's right at the start of this auction. So who knows how high it will go? Um, I did a little bit of maths because there are around 30 grams, um, so it's around 30 grams of 747, which would work out at 26 euros 66 per gram. Um, When I was writing this, the price of gold was 54 euros 34 per gram, so it was around half the price of gold for this small piece of triples 747 um, but you know i think it, it's it's quite cool because they're getting a lot of money from this but they're not going to capitalize on any of it it's All 100% of the revenues from this auction are going to the United Nations to help Ukrainian refugees. Um, So I've had a little look. There's 10 tags on um, offer. You know, the top one is from um, a KLM Boeing uh, 747-400M or Combi, and that's got red and blue, and that's worth uh, 815 euros right now. Um, And the the cheapest one is um, I like it. It's called. uh, Well, it's from Delta India Zulu Zulu Yankee. Which spells out dizzy. Um, that's uh, a <laughs> Piaggio Avanti. That's the weird one, um, like the catfish type um, plane um, or whatever they call it, with the propellers at the back. Uh-huh. Um, and the sort of sticky out bits at the front, um, but yeah, that's a private plane that's got red, yellow, and white, and that's 145 euros. So still, for this one, it's uh, you know you're spending at least three times, if not more, what um, you'd usually pay. Um, but I did a little bit of digging into this uh, Combi Seven Four Seven Four Hundred that's going for so much money, um, and you know I was wondering where does the red come from because obviously the sky blue that's KLM's base color. Um, but red on a KLM plane. Do you have any idea where that's come from? Nope. It's from the flag of the Netherlands. So this particular tag was taken from right near the back of the plane. Um, And this plane, Papa Hotel, uh, Bravo Foxtrot, Foxtrot, you know, it was 28.77 years old when it was scrapped in Enschede in the Netherlands in November 2018. But It flew for 140,213 flight hours, which I put into the calculator was equivalent to 16 years. So more than half of its life, this plane spent in the sky, which I think is pretty cool. Um, But yeah, that's all I've really got to say on that little quick point well Um, if you
1: want to get me one for my christmas present tom you know uh, be happy to receive one in the post i will (laughs) (laughs) no i insist you pay for it with your own hard-earned money (laughs) (laughs) oh well that was fun um who knows maybe Sans will have one in his sack for each of us (laughs) but for now i think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast we hope you enjoyed it and as usual welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com
0: For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. And thanks for listening. Bye.